Welcome to the Midnight Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Ethan Bennett, alongside my fellow co-host, Tyler Sinden. We are both entrepreneurs who are learning, growing, and building our own businesses, and our goal is to share our experiences and knowledge to help you grow and become a successful entrepreneur. Strap in. Tyler, 2023, it's officially 2023. I know last week, or I suppose this week that we're filming, the people saw a 2023 episode, but we are live and in the flesh in 2023. How's it going? Yes, we are. Com- completely new year, man. New year, new me, right? Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Hey, get those <laughs> resolutions flying around. Uh, yeah, I haven't set those. I don't know if I will. I don't know. I th- my, my resolution is just take action. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that's a good resolution as long as you got something. So do you ever put in like concrete goals then or not really? I was thinking about it last year or not last year. I was thinking about it the other day. And when I look back at what I set last year, I didn't really accomplish anything. And when I look back at past years, I don't really accomplish anything. So it's, I, I'm debate, I'm con- conflicted between it. And I'm just like, I'm, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to take action. I'm going to, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I've said this before, I'm trying to find something that I want to, f- f- I'm willing to consistently put the effort in every single day. And that's basically what I want to do. So just take action. Take action. I like it. Short, simple. Uh, I have a few. We talked about them in last week's episode. So there's a plug for last week's episode. If you guys haven't seen it, go listen to that after you listen to this one. (laughs) They're not chronological order. Not at all. You can watch them in any order. You can go to episode 16. You can go to episode 10. They're all all good episodes. Exactly. no, No exact order. Maybe if you want to watch and see how our journeys are going, and then you want to see the progress. But other than that, I think it's just whatever whatever we want to come up with and whatever we have to share. Whatever the title, whatever title entices you to click it. Did you see that new Netflix show that you can watch it in any order? It's a heist show. Uh, There's eight episodes. I, I don't know if you were telling me about that or someone was telling me about that, but. It's kind of a cool concept. I think I'm going to watch it just so I can see how that is. The, every single one is named a different color. And then it just gives mm. you a random order that you watch it in. It's kind of cool. Interesting. So let's get into your year been going. Oh, look at that. We just read each other's minds there. Uh, My year has been going good so far. Uh, Yesterday was strictly a computer day. Not even computers on my iPad. Literally sat on my couch under a blanket for a good chunk of time and just got everything prepped and ready to go for 2023. Um, It's been going good. I had a meeting this morning with the gentleman from Bismarck that went super well. Um, But other than that, nothing crazy. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Staying, staying consistent. Trying to. Yep. I have uh, set a new routine for 2022 that I'm going to bed by 11, waking up at 7 a.m. So one for one already. I'll see how long it lasts. Yep. One for one. <laughs> uh, today was the first day. Uh, so that was good. Um, but yeah, it's it felt good. I actually woke up at 620 naturally. And then I was like, God, do I want to get up and start doing stuff? But I was like, you know, it's day one. We'll take it easy. Don't want to burn myself out. So I went back to sleep till about seven. And then I got up. <laughs> So funny story on the topic of waking up this morning, I woke up at three and I sat there for a couple minutes and I'm like, should I get up? What do you think I did? Got up. Yes, I did. Yep. <laughs> well, you're started, on a, started grinding. You're on a different regimen than I am, Tyler. I don't know. I went to bed around, around uh, I think it was around 9, 30, 10 last night. And then I just... My body just, I was waking up a little bit here and there. And then it just like woke up at three and I checked the time and I'm like, I can go back to sleep. And then I started like playing in my mind what I'm going to do. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm getting up. Yep. And then I get, gave myself enough stuff to do to get up and go. So there you go. I mean, you're a little bit more disciplined in the waking up early thing. So if I can start getting this 7 a.m. down, then I'll start exploring the the science experiments you've been doing. 6 a.m. <laughs> exactly. Maybe just not even sleeping, just take, just taking naps. Yeah, just naps 24-7 throughout the day when you're tired, sleep. But yeah, we'll <laughs> that we'll save that for 2024. <laughs> what, uh, what's been new yeah. with you? How's your 2023 got off, started off? Honestly, I want to say it's been going pretty good. A, a few things that I did want to start doing in 2023 was spending more money on myself towards education and paying for access to people. And I've already done that with two two separate programs. The one I was really hesitant to do just because it seemed very similar to 75 hard. But then I was just playing in my mind. I'm like, I'm so 
willing to spend a couple hundred dollars here or there on something that's meaningless, that's not going to potentially increase my skills or knowledge, but I'm not willing to do that for my skills or knowledge. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pay. And I ended up buying this guy's, it's called Limitless 31. I listened to his podcast quite a bit and I, I paid for it. And for this, it's mainly for the access to people because you get into a private Facebook group and he also goes live um, once per day or once per weekday, which is nice. And he just kind of gives some tips or whatever for the challenge and just doing that. And the one thing I like about the challenge is that it's keeping me accountable to continue reading. And that's one thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to read a bit more. I, I slacked off towards the end of 2022, but I was doing pretty good. And so it's keeping me consistent reading. And then the other one, I paid for Arate Syndicate and I got the email, I think right before New Year's. I don't know when it was, might've been around there. Before you get and into that, is, what is the, what's the first challenge, that first one? Okay. Uh, Limitless 31, it's, let me pull it up really quick. It's, you got to do a few things every day, daily. So there's no alcohol. You got to work out for 45 minutes. You have to follow a diet. You have to meditate. He sends you a guided meditation. So that's nice. It's not just go off and do your own thing. He gives you a guided meditation, which is nice. And then you got a journal. He gives you journal prompts. And then you got to read 10 pages and you got to drink one gallon of water. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then and you also get access to the what, private Facebook group. <laughs> no, it started January 1st, so oh, okay. three days. There you go. This is January 3rd that we're recording it. So it's a lot of stuff that I typically already do. Like I don't drink. I I drink a gallon of water every day. I work out every day. Um, and then my diet is loose. I'll maybe eat a cookie here or there once a week or so. Um, but other than that, I pretty much did already follow it. I stopped journaling for a bit just because I found it wasn't, I didn't find a good ROI on it. So I stopped doing that and reading, obviously I was on and off with that. So it's keeping me accountable there. Yeah. I know I had the goal last year to read 18 books in 12 months and I read six books in the first three months. Didn't pick another one up after three months. So this year <laughs> I'm shifting the goals, 12 books, 12 months. So I don't burn out in the beginning. Cause I thought last year when I started, I was like, God, I got to read a book like once every three weeks or whatever it uh, figured out to be. So this year, I'm going to try to hit 12, one a month. I think that's more doable. I can do that for a longer period of time and uh, go from there. That's kind of what I was texting you saying, book recommendations. Those were a couple audiobooks, but I have to buy a couple too. I really want to read Atomic Habits, which I know is very popular. Popular one. And mm -hmm. I want to get my hands on that, start reading that and see if uh, it's really lived up to what everyone says. <sighs> Yeah, I've, that's been on my reading list for quite some time now, probably a couple of years. I feel like it's going to be all the typical stuff that you often hear. So I haven't, it, it's not at the top of my list that I've, yeah. I've got. I went to the bookstore the other day and then I was looking through the books and I was, I didn't really have any book on mind. I was like, I'm just going to go there. I had a $20 gift card. So I was like, I'm just going to go there and see what book pops out to me. And which one I'd like to read. And then I found The Comfort Crisis. So I'm going to dive into that one um, probably in three books after, in three books from now. So there you go. Yeah, I've, I've been feeling I'm, I'm too comfortable right now. So it, that's why I popped out. There you go. Go to a nudist beach. That'll, that'll make you uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely will. <laughs> okay. So that was your, uh, that was your first uh, educational thing you invested in. Now talk about the second one. The second one is Arte Syndicate. And for those that don't know, it's created by Andy Frisell and Ed Milet, and basically it gets you access to their program. They got another private Facebook group, and they have, I don't know how often the cadence is for the calls. I think it's maybe three times per month. I think one's from Andy, one's from Ed, and then they bring on a syndicate member. So there's a lot of networking and helping each other out in that private Facebook group, I've noticed. Like a lot of people will ask for help, recommendations, et cetera. And a lot of people just reach out and help. And I think it's just a great platform to connect with other people. And the funny thing is, I think I told you this, when I joined the group, I was like 
looking through and then I saw someone got tagged and I saw the picture and I'm like, oh shit, I used to listen to this guy's podcast back in the day. And I was like, now I'm in the same group with him. So I thought that was kind of funny. But at the same time, I feel I got a little bit of the imposter syndrome being in this group because people are saying their businesses and how much money they're making. But I, I got to focus on myself. Yeah. Hey, but that's good to be around those people. I saw a clip today of a gentleman saying you make more or less around three to five thousand dollars around the five people you hang out with the most. So if I have five friends that are all making seventy thousand dollars a year, I'm gonna be in that sixty-five to seventy-five thousand dollar range. And he went on to say, I told all my friends, I said, get all these broke bitches out of my life. And I was like, oh man. So uh that was an interesting take, but uh yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the main reasons that I wanted to join these groups so I can be around those people and mm -hmm. hopefully I can they can maybe mentor me or help me out, offer me suggestions, and maybe I can just surround myself around them and then hopefully that'll motivate myself to go out there, make some more money, and hopefully be... And then I, I sent you that video today where the girl's like... <laughs> she's like a million and a half. And then he, he's like, yeah. per year? She's like, no way, I can't survive off a million and a half per year. And it's like, oh my God, I was laughing through it the whole video. I'm like, damn, what are we girls. doing? <laughs> right. At a million and a half a year, I'd be, I'd be exciting times, <laughs> exciting times. We'll get there though. We'll get For there. Real? The only other thing I want to talk about, a uh, quick update is with this phone call today, I had about the transition of acquiring some of these video production clients from this gentleman. He, we talked over some of my current clients I have and how to approach them. And one thing that kept coming up was if a client tells you a budget, let's say they are, they come to you and say, we have this idea, we want to do this to not always say yes to what they're thinking. The client might think they know what they want, but if you, as the video expert in my case, can allocate those resources to something that's more beneficial for them, then they're going to want to work with you longer and they're going to want to keep coming back and paying you. So the example he used was there is a client that wants me to film an event, but their budget's slightly tight right now. And when I had this phone call, I told him and he said, why don't you tell them you already filmed the event last year? You can do a quick re-edit of that as a promo for this year. But the funds that they would spend on me coming out to shoot this year's event, which is going to be a lot of the same content, should go towards something else where they're getting more content. They can use it for a longer period of time and it's not so niche towards this one event. So I filmed the video and then it's pretty much dead for the rest of the year. So that's something that's making me think a little bit, uh, made me think about a lot today about how I can restructure some of these ideas that the clients are giving me. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that in there as a little tidbit of advice, tidbit of advice. Wow. Don't put those words together. Yeah. It seems like they, think they want something, but then since you're the professional in that industry, you know what, where better allocating the funds. So it's just maybe persuading them or how, how would you go about that? I think what I'm, and I'm going to meet with them or I'm going to reach out and ask if I can meet with them. Let's use a thousand dollars. For example, if you pay me a thousand dollars to come shoot for that day, you get the one video of the event. Or mm -hmm. if you, let's say you use $300 to re-edit that video, you still get a little promotional piece for the event. And then you have the other $700 that I can come into their office or wherever it might be and film 15 or 20 little tip videos. So telling them, hey, $1,000, you're going to get a nice video. It's going to be awesome of the event and everything. But that one event video, it's good for one thing and one thing only. And it's only good for one time of the year. Whereas if we re-edit, re, you know, put lipstick on a pig of last year's video, and then we use the other funds to create more content, that in turn has a better chance of making their business more successful and getting more eyeballs, which in turn would lead them to uh, bringing me on for more projects. So that's kind of how I was looking at it. I like the, uh, what's it called? The metaphor? No, it's not metaphor. The uh, So it's just a phrasing of... You could be the president and you know, you're all this high power, but when you go into a doctor's office, that doctor becomes the most powerful person in that room because they're the expert there. The president doesn't know all these medical terms. The doctor's the professional, and that's pretty similar with you and going into the videography. And when they come up to you saying, Hey, this is what we want, you're like, I'm the professional here. Yeah. Not really saying it like that, but it's saying, Hey, 
this is probably a better allocation of your funds. So I think understanding that you're the professional there and helping them guide them to where they want to go. Yes. And at the end of the day, if the customer wants that, that's what they want to do. Obviously, it's their money. They can do whatever Mm -hmm. they'd like. But at least presenting yourself as, hey, I think I know what I'm talking about here. I would rather you do this if you don't want to. Awesome. But at least going in there saying, this is my personal and professional opinion. Mm -hmm. I like it. All right. Well, let's get into, you got anything else before we get into this week's topic? No, I think we had a good enough discussion for how we're doing. Yeah, I think that's good. It's maybe a little bit longer than usual, but you know, it's the beginning of the year. We haven't talked to each other in a good couple hours, so we needed to get that out. Uh, Not face to face. It's been like a week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So this week we're going to be talking about storytelling. (laughs) I haven't seen you since last year. (laughs) Yeah, It's been a while, man. It's been a whole year since I've seen you. (laughs) Classic dad joke. Yeah, my dad said that to my dog or my sister's dog. (laughs) My uncle says that every year at Christmas, he goes, oh, well, we'll see you guys next year. (laughs) I'm like, yep, in like seven days. (laughs) But uh, yes, we're going to be talking about storytelling this week. And when we say storytelling, specifically, we're talking about storytelling in business, not, you know, picture books and that kind of thing, whatever it might be. So we're going to be talking about storytelling as far as branding goes and then storytelling in business in general. The one thing I wanted to touch on with what I mean when I say storytelling is keeping your, I think the main purpose of it is to keep your audience engaged in whatever you're providing. So whether that's a service, a product, content that's educational or entertainment content, it's keeping your audience, their eyeballs on whatever you're doing. Would you agree with that, Tyler? Yeah, for sure. It's keeping them engaged. So The other thing that I want to touch on, and then I'll let you go to your point here, is when you are storytelling in business, the stories that you are telling, whether it be through content or your copy on a post or the way you speak to someone in a meeting, whatever story you're telling, those stories convey the type of business you are. So if you're telling really funny stories uh, or if you're swearing a lot or you're telling dirty jokes, whatever it might be, that conveys the type of business you are. If you're telling well-polished stories, they're very intricate, then you may be known as a high-quality company and very meticulous. Or if you're telling really scary stories, okay, well, maybe your company's a little bit mysterious and dark and ominous. So that's one thing I wanted to touch on. The stories that you're telling actually determine the type of company you are, whether you see it or not. Yeah, I think it's understanding your audience and at the same time, understanding the brand that you are and conveying the proper message from your brand to the audience because there can be a disconnect there. Yeah. And if you start telling stories all over the place, if you're not, you know, a TV station, they can tell all kinds of stories, but Even Discovery Channel, they have very similar stories they're telling, very similar TV shows. HGTV, they have very similar shows. You have Property Brothers, you have Fix It to Flip, it's all around home. So if you're throwing in all these crazy different stories about here's a haunted house and now here's a house fixing show and now here's dirty jobs, it can get kind of mushy. So you can use the same metaphor in business if you're pulling from all different, if Nuevo, for example, is talking about men's health care and then they're talking about uh, you know, soccer, and then maybe they're talking about Bratz dolls, whatever it might be. People will be like, what the hell is going on with this company? So really yeah, just all over the place. Yeah. Align the stories on how you want your business to look, which is a great transition into there's sort of a process for a story, Tyler, and I'll let you get into that. So I think with this story, the how you want to start out is you want to have you want to create a problem or show that there's a problem that the potential audience member has. And when you're creating that story, you're going to showcase this is the problem that they have. And then when you go through it, you want to go through a cycle and the cycle would next be the obstacle that they needed to overcome. And then once you're able to show the obstacle that they were able to overcome, you want to show how they got the outcome and how they were able to achieve it. And I think that just goes to show what your business does and how you're your business is able to provide what the audience member is looking for. And it really goes in, that's just giving your audience more details about your company, which in turn is what they're looking for. If you just say, I'm a plumber, I fix 
whatever plumbing issues you have. Yeah, that might work. But if you say, hey, I had this customer, their pipe exploded in their laundry room. I came in, we had to fix it with this special magic plumbing tape. And then that made a problem that went to the sink. We had to change the faucet. And then that person had a good plumbing system. That story that you're telling is going to be more impactful than just, hey, I'm a plumber. I fix pipes. Exactly. Is that kind of what you're getting at? For sure. I think the good point is, is stories become memorable and not only memorable, people relate to it. Whereas when you say the plumber came and fixed it because of the pipe exploding, maybe someone can relate to it. Maybe that happened to them. Maybe that happened to their friend. They're like, oh, that happened to them. And that becomes a lot more memorable compared to someone just saying, hey, I'm a plumber. Let me fix your pipes. Yes. And that's where that's even an industry, for example, that people might not think, well, plumbers don't need to tell a story. Well, yeah, you do. What if a pipe blew up and your basement started flooding? It had almost got to the picture on the wall that was painted by your grandpa from World War II, whatever it was. If that painting gets ruined, you're going to be devastated. So the plumber fixed that problem. That's a little bit of an extreme example. But storytelling works for every industry. And we need to start a trend that that's a thing because a lot of people think, oh, I'm in this industry, so I don't have to market or do anything. I'm like, yeah, but you're still storytelling. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, you gotta be you gotta be a storyteller. And so stories sell. You gotta be able to know how to create a story. There's a story in everything. And there's an ops or there's a challenge and there's an overcoming overcoming factor with that. So you gotta be able to learn how to create a story and tell the story. One of my favorite sayings that I heard from my friend when I was playing hockey in Canada is I'm not lying, I'm storytelling. And I use that from time to time. Not saying you guys should be lying in your business, but I thought I'd throw that in there. It is a storytelling episode after all. <laughs> there was one thing that you mentioned about putting on your website with your copy. Do you ever try and prime with your uh, copy or website or details? What do you mean prime? I think it's in... What's uh, what's the book you're reading that you really like? The negotiating one? Never Split the Difference? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he talks about priming where you set them up with this in mind and then you prime them to get to that answer that they want to get that you want them to get to. Okay. I haven't actually thought about that for my website, but then again, I sort of neglect my website. <laughs> I was just thinking about it because it just popped up when you brought it up and I was just like priming. Hmm. I suppose it makes sense within it. Yeah. Because if you prime a lawnmower, you're kind of setting it up for it to start. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Maybe that's where the word derives from. Uh, Let's get into a little bit of how storytelling drives a brand. So this, I have a couple examples on here. And these are my two favorite examples because a lot of times when I go into client meetings and I meet with a potential client or a reoccurring client, I tell them about storytelling and I use the Red Bull example a lot. So Red Bull obviously sells energy drinks and not all of their content, I would say actually a majority of their content has nothing to do with them actually selling energy drinks. The only thing they're doing is telling a story and building a brand around what they are looking to be perceived as. Like we talked about in the beginning, in the Red Bull, in the Red Bull case, they're telling stories about extreme hiking and jumping out of a spaceship and parachuting into Earth, doing all of these crazy things, energy-driven things. What do they call them? Adrenaline junkies? A lot of that kind of stuff. So that's building their brand as Red Bull. If you're an adrenaline junkie, you want to grab that Red Bull off the shelf next time you go shopping. So that's my favorite analogy because you never, they never need to sell Red Bull ever again. They never need to make an ad that's like, Red Bull has 90 calories and we are this, this, and this. It's like, no, you just watch a man jump out of a spaceship and do backflips into earth. That's Red Bull. So that's my favorite example about storytelling. If you can build your brand around that type of narrative, whatever your narrative is, tell stories around that. What are your thoughts on that? It's funny that you said that because I don't think I ever really thought about it before. But whenever you see Red Bull commercials, it's never about their energy drinks. It's Red Bull gives you wings. Yeah, It's literally these drawings and it's... One was a fortune teller because he had a Red Bull in his hand and then she just talked about his future. And it's like, there's nothing about the Red Bull. Like, (laughs) Yeah, that's my favorite part about Red Bull. They never sell their product. They just make crazy things. And then in turn, it's like, 
Rebel is a crazy company. Like if I want to, if I want to go do 75 hard in one day, whatever it is, you know, if I want to go do something crazy, if I want to do a backflip in a monster truck over the city of Minot. Red Bull is what I'm thinking of. You know what I mean? So that's my favorite. The other one. Sorry, go ahead. I'm more thinking of a monster. That's fair. See, (laughs) monsters created a little bit of that brand too. But monster, when I think of monster, I think of monster trucks and like dirt and like kids with long hair. They tuck their ears in their hat. (laughs) I think of Kyle. Yeah, me too. Exactly. And then the other example I have, I think we've maybe talked about this before, but Apple, someone said, when you go to a coffee shop, and you see someone working on a computer, if they're working on an Apple computer, you think they're doing creative work. You think they're doing something like design or video editing or photography, whatever it might be. Whereas if you see a PC, you think that person is doing spreadsheets or numbers (laughs) and they sit in a cubicle. And that's the power of storytelling. All the stories that Apple tells, their commercials that are on TV about taking the phone out of the pocket and being a film director, whatever it might be, all of that is storytelling so that when someone says Apple, you immediately think that's what they're doing. Did we talk about that it's before? Cre- I don't, I know we've talked about Apple as a brand. I don't think we, this is a little bit different because this was someone that actually commented on one of our posts saying this is what ha- what he thinks of. So it was really cool hearing that from someone else or a different perspective. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty crazy how Apple's created that perspective of their brand and of their company. And that's really the power of branding and storytelling. Nothing that wouldn't yeah. that brand would not be there if they didn't tell stories meticulously for the goal of having that be their brand and their identity. Do you think it has something to do with their slogan of think different or how, how do you think they got there? I think it comes from their executives and I think it stemmed from that one commercial. I can't remember what year it was, but everyone is sitting in a room and they're looking at a TV and they're all dressed exactly the same. Black and white. Yeah. They look exactly the same. And Mm -hmm. some chick or guy runs down the middle aisle with a sledgehammer and just hammers the TV at the front. And pretty much that was like the most viral commercial of all time or something like that. Uh, So I think it started from there. I'll send it to you after. And it's pretty much getting all the people that are sitting there mesmerized by this TV out of the whatever trance they're in. And this one Mm -hmm. person ran down the middle. The Matrix. Yeah. Get out of the Matrix. Andrew (laughs) Tate. Uh, I'm going to start having cigars and glasses on this podcast. Uh, Close your Bugatti. Exactly. Uh, But that was pretty much stemmed from them creating that brand from the beginning. The other thing I wanted to touch on did you have any more to say about Apple or I'm going to move on to my other example? No, I don't think so. I think it's just really interesting how they were able to create that persona of whenever someone sees it, like they might not have, everyone says they don't have the best products, but they do the best, which is yeah. really interesting. And that's, that's how they did it. They, they did it through storytelling. And whenever someone has an Apple, that's what you think of them. They're hip. Yeah, they are hip. Storytelling will literally change how people view your business. If you're telling, you have to create, it might take years and you have to tell a bunch of different stories that are all hitting the same narrative, but it will change the way people view your company or content or whatever it might be. The last example Mm -hmm. I have is a real life example. When I used to work with the car dealership, we would tell different stories, and this goes back to the business, depending on what business you're in. You cannot tell the same story if you're filming a commercial for a pickup as you can if you're telling one for a van or a hatchback, whatever it might be. With a pickup, maybe you're doing off-roading, you're driving, you're hauling something, uh, maybe you have hunting gear in it, whatever it might be. With a hatchback, maybe you're camping, you're out by a fire, you're driving in California, whatever it might be. So that's just another example of storytelling really matters depending on whatever the product is. Same thing with Jeep, because you're not going to be seeing a Jeep just driving down the road. You're going to see it out four wheeling or whatever you want to call it, mudding. And that's what it does. And that's the purpose of it. It's who you're targeting, your target audience. You got to think at the end of the day, what your product is and who you're targeting. And then you got to match the two together. You won't see a Jeep in a downtown commercial but you might see a Mercedes Benz driving down the, you know, downtown Heads LA. turning. Exactly. But if you see a Hummer, 
just ripping around, <laughs> ripping around a parking garage. It's like, this is a little weird. Driving over cars. Yes. Uh, so those are kind of my examples about how storytelling can really transform the way your audience sees your company or product or service or whatever it might be. So, yeah, definitely so, huge. So this is something I wanted to ask you because you sell a product, a physical product, but storytelling, obviously we've talked about this. It can guide you through a sale. The one experience that I've seen this is in a webinar. I remember when I purchased full-time filmmaker, they crafted a perfect story through this hour long webinar that made me buy it at the end. And it started with, Hey, what do you do? And they're like, we're a film class, whatever it might be. And then they would go into telling what they do. Okay, we teach you how to do this. We worked on these projects, whatever it might be. After that, they gained credibility. We've worked with Mercedes-Benz. We've worked with Apple. We've worked with Red Bull. They gained credibility. And then at the very end, after they've told you this story of how this is going to change your life, why this is awesome, how they have all the credibility, how they know what they're talking about, that's when it gets you to the sale. Have you seen or tried to implement any of this storytelling to guide someone through a sale? I don't think so. I like I think we got to put a lot more effort into it. We do try and do storytelling a little bit, but I don't think we go into enough detail because one of our products is if you lose your wallet, come get this product. And I think we got to go through more of a story of maybe you're out and you're at a restaurant and you leave your wallet or you forget your wallet or maybe you're out at some show and then some person pickpockets you and I feel like that never happens but maybe some person pickpockets you and then all of a sudden you don't have your wallet anymore perfect way to get that is have an Apple AirTag wallet or I feel like with pickpocketing they can just take the Apple AirTag out maybe it's more so just leaving your wallet and then you're able to find it I think one of the stories I wanted to do was more so of like a funny one was because you know how you always lose your wallet and then it's always in like your coat pocket or your back pocket and <laughs> yeah you, you're just like oh there it is and then i was thinking of doing something funny where yeah I, I tried this out on one of our copies um one of our headlines was if you lose your wallet in your coat pocket you'll always be able to find it or so, something along yeah. those lines so i tried that out just try and be funny do something different but i think we got to go through more of a story of problem how you overcame it and then solution or whatever it is so yeah i i I don't think we do a great job with it i think we got to do a little bit better of a job we actually got something coming up this weekend that we're going to be doing that i want to talk to you after (laughs) but uh, we want to create more stories with what we're about to film this weekend so this is going to be a good opportunity for us and a timely episode at that for us to create a good story for the videos that we're going to film. Yeah. And I, it really is telling the story of how is this going to change? If someone purchases this product, how's it going to change your life? How is it going to benefit their life instead of just another thing they have to worry about? And if you can tell that story of, you know, like you mentioned the Apple AirTag. Okay. Well, if you lose it, you can find it through having this thing. So really the storytelling is just instead of it being transactional, here's a wallet, the three by five inch wallet. It's gray. It has 10 pockets. Okay. How's this going to change my life? You're going to look cool. Maybe you'll pour more chicks. I, I know there was, (laughs) I know there's a, uh, a commercial idea. I don't know if it ever got produced, but it stemmed from a guy and a girl being at a bar and the chick walks up to the guy and asked him if he had a cigarette. And he said, no, and then the chick went to some other guy and he did have one and they went home together and obviously did whatever they did at home. And then the next time the guy was there and he had a pack of cigarettes and the girl asked him and he gave him one, even though he didn't smoke, he gave him one and they went home together. And then at the very end, it just said it wouldn't hurt to carry a pack. So that <laughs> was that was like, how's that going to change your life? Obviously, they're going into the narrative that it's going to get you women. But if you can go along with something like that. That's really how you're wanting to tell those stories. I should produce funny that commercial you say that. if it hasn't already. It's, fun- it's funny you say, hey man, we, I think we said this to you, but this is, uh, it's funny you say that because we had an idea, got it from my uncle, of doing something similar to that where it's like those Sekis where it's like most interesting man, but it's uh, 
the slogan is like you go to the you go to the bar or whatever and then you're talking to a girl and then like you pull out your wallet out of your pants and it's like the second most important piece in your pants oh yeah <laughs> i do remember that yeah yeah so something like that maybe if you want to do that and you you're all you're all for it you're like i give you the thumbs up <laughs> we'll we'll start putting ads behind it if you do it there we go we'll uh we'll have that conversation after this episode and then we'll have to just promote it on the show hey guys yeah. remember that commercial we were talking about here it is and then just take a quick break we'll come back in a week or a month or month or so and then we'll be like it's done like, it's yeah, done. We're, it's a mil- we're a million dollar company now <laughs> um That'd be crazy I think we can transition into benefits of storytelling a little bit. Uh, so I got a couple on here. We talked about it being less transactional, but really, well, we kind of talked about it all, but it really builds a deeper connection with your audience. And that's the main goal of this storytelling. Someone wants to purchase because they enjoy the company. And we, I have this on the list a little bit. Well, I'll just get into it right now. The like, know, and trust factor. If someone likes you and they know you and they trust you, they're more willing to support your business, whether it's monetary or maybe it's just watching your content, whatever it might be. But they're more likely if they like, know, and trust you. So if you're telling these stories that are emotional, maybe everyone knows the Sarah McLaughlin commercial about the dogs. That's emotional. It gets people wanting to take action. So telling these emotional stories really builds that connection with your audience, which in turn builds your brand. Yeah, I think I, th- I like how you say it's less transactional. It's more, more about your providing value for them, or they're they're feeling like they're a part of something bigger. And I think it, I feel like a lot of this stuff is more brand awareness than selling the brand. Yeah, it's like be a part of this because when you when I go when I think back to Red Bull, Red Bull doesn't really sell their their drinks. They sell an experience. Yeah, and I they- think that's what it is. And the experience in turn in the back end sells the drinks because people feel like they're a part of the Red Bull community. They they live that lifestyle too, which in turn is like, well, if I live in that lifestyle of the what I'm supporting, I also am going to want to drink their product. So mm-hmm. it really is full circle. And it's hard to communicate that sometimes to clients that brand is important. You can't have every single piece of content or everything you do, sale, sales, sales, sales. Mm-hmm. So... That's one thing to keep in mind. But yeah, I mean, branding is literally one of my favorite things. Storytelling, literally the slogan of my company is storytelling redefined, which I don't know how I ever came up with that, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> you like it. Yeah, I got lucky. It's throwing shit at the wall and something stuck. <laughs> I don't that's, know what, how, that's what you got to do. Yeah, I know how well I'm redefining the stories, but we're trying. <laughs> we should be like, we're trying to redefine storytelling. That should be the slogan. Did someone ever ask you that? Uh-uh. Like how how do you redefine stories? You just redefine the what, way they're told. What would someone say? What would you say if someone asked you that? How do you how do you redefine stories? We tell them in unique, creative ways, against the norm, the societal norms of standard storytelling. <laughs> a lot of jargon, you know. I'd be just a chat P- GPT jargon man. But, you, should, you should ask chat GPT what you should say if that, that question ever arises. Yeah, I'm going to start bringing chat GPT into my meetings. So when someone <laughs> asks me something, I'm like, yeah, hold up. And then You're I not just, even going to need a job anymore. No, honestly, I'm not even going to sales. Chat GPT, yeah. I haven't been messing around with that. It is kind of cool, though. That's pretty crazy that I, the one video that I, I'm pretty sure you watched it where... The Hermosi one? Alex was talking. Yeah, Alex was talking about how AI is basically going to be a salesman. Yeah. It's like they can do millions and they don't care about rejection and they can they can do it 24 hours. It's like, well, then <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait to get my hands on yeah. that. Uh, all right. right. So one last thing before we get into our business idea is a couple more examples. So end caps at stores. I think about this a lot. This is less. This is more. It stems from the notion that people make decisions based on emotion. Like we said, if you have a commercial where someone's feeling some sort of way, we'll use Red Bull, for example, again, just because we've been talking about it. If I watch a commercial on my phone and I think, man, that was sweet. Like he just flew a plane through the Gulf of Mexico, whatever it's somehow through the earth, whatever it is. Cool. And then next time I'm next time I'm walking through the grocery store, I'm at an end cap and I see a Red Bull. I'm like, man, 
I want one of those. So it's just keeping it at the top of the mind. End caps are something I always uh, fall for. And a lot of times it's because of storytelling. It's just because of their branding. Yeah. So would you, do you, is there any brand? I know obviously Apple and Red Bull, but is there any brand that you support strongly because of the story that they, they, they tell you? Canon cameras. I really like Canon. I mean, that would be the easiest example. Being What's in the story they say? Just the, I don't know. It's just like high qual. I feel like it's high quality products. The people that, and maybe this goes into a whole different world, but the people that I grew up watching and learned from are all using Canon and the style that were they were shooting was all Canon. So I just kind of gravitated towards it. Whereas if you use a Sony, if someone says Sony, the first thing I think of is video game consoles. So that's how I view it. I don't really know exactly the story they're telling. I, you kind of put me on the spot there, but I mean, that's, it's really like quality. And when I think of cameras, I think of Canon right away. I'll give you a second to think, but it's funny that you say when you think of PlayStation or you think of gaming, I, I, I never said Sony growing up when I had, I had a, I don't, I didn't have a PS1. I had a PS2, PS3, PS4, and I didn't have a PS5. And I never really said Sony PlayStation. It's all, it's always just PlayStation, PlayStation. PS5, PS3. Yeah. So it was, it was funny that you said gaming station. I'm like, gaming station. I'm like, oh wait, You're like, oh yeah, <laughs> Sony do. PlayStation. Yeah. But same with like, you know, do you think, do you think of Microsoft when you think of gaming stations though? No, I think of like Microsoft, Microsoft Excel and Word and <laughs> that boring shit. <laughs> Microsoft Xbox. Yes. That's Which crazy is crazy to think, to think about. about. And they do so many different things. That's what's weird. It's kind of like Honda when they're like, oh, we're making cars. And then they're like, wouldn't it be crazy if we made a drum set too or whatever they make? Or maybe that's Yamaha. Doesn't Yamaha make drums? Yamaha. Yeah, Yamaha does. Yamaha yeah. is like, oh, we make dirt bikes. And like, let's just start making drum sets. So it's <laughs> weird how different companies make things. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is the same company. When you think about it, there's like, 10 companies that own everything probably oh yeah procter and gamble owns like everything <laughs> yeah it's crazy but. cool all Bob right lost. uh talked about uh full-time filmmaker you talked about ariete is that how you pronounce it <laughs> no i can't even say it now arete 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 I'm like a wee <laughs> wee. it's a french program tyler joint uh yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll just let you say that one from now on um, I mean, one other example of pur- purchasing through, I bought, I bought Alex Ramosi's book after he was been telling all these stories about his business career. So that's another purchase I made based on storytelling. Um, but I mean, we don't have to get a ton into that. I was thinking about it today when I was listening to Alex's podcast and I'm like, there's a, there's a way I can look at this where I can be an idiot because he gives such great valuable information and I'm not doing anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like man, he just dropped this amazing podcast episode and I get all this information from him for free. I'm going to listen and I'm not and doing move anything on. with yeah. it. <laughs> I'm like, right? oh, that was like, good. I'm an Let's idiot. move on to the next one. <laughs> right? It's like I'm an idiot because like you, there's a couple ways that you can look at it, but yeah. I was just thinking about that this morning, so it was funny. Yeah. That's I mean, that's one thing we talked about, I think it was either last week or a couple of weeks ago, is implementing more of the things that we're learning instead of learning and moving on. Maybe it was about the books. Mm-hmm. My, yeah. one, my one I, book. I think it's a bit of, bit of both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, Tyler, you got anything else to say about storytelling? Storytelling is one of my favorite things. That's literally why I got into the video production industry. I love filming and telling these stories, and I've always loved movies and how s- stories are told in movies and TV shows and documentaries. So... I really like this topic. It's the first one I did notes for, uh, which is good. (laughs) I think it turned out well, and I think we should start doing it more often. Claps, claps, hey, golf claps. (laughs) I was going to text you this weekend, or actually on Monday, because I had Monday off, and I was going to be like, hey, you want to meet for like 30 minutes, go over the the podcast real quick. But I think we should start doing that, though. Yes, weekends... I would prefer do doing it, it on takes Monday. Like 15, 30 minutes. Yeah, I would prefer doing it on it's, Monday, it, well, though, because I think our conversations jumpstart action, you could it, say. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't I'm know what your Monday I, I, I was just saying, like, I, but. Yeah, I was just saying Monday because I had yesterday off. Yeah, I didn't. I worked and had a lady friend in town. <laughs> 
So I tried Ooh. to work. Yeah. I did. She sat on the couch and then I sat on the chair. <laughs> Gotta save room for uh, business. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. Hypocrite. Because you say you always sit at your desk when you work. Not when it's a national, ho- an observed holiday. Then I'm kind of like, I'll work from the kitchen, man. I can do whatever I want. No one else is working today. I sent a bunch of follow-up emails yesterday and people I'm supposed to get back to. Not one of them responded. I'm like, I don't think people are working today. Any cold emails? Uh, no cold emails. Yet this year? Not yet. Nope. Okay. Same here. We'll get there. We'll get, <laughs> we'll there. get there. Yes, yep. we will. Uh, I'll throw it over to you for the business idea of the week. The reality restaurant. I didn't know what to call it. So I want to, so since this episode's on storytelling, I want to try and tell this through a story. <laughs> okay. So one night, do you ever have those nights when you're laying in bed, you're sleeping, and then all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night, you got this genius idea? That ever happened to you? Rarely, but yes, it does. Yeah. So that's pretty much what happened with this. And I'm really happy that I remembered it because I was like, I should write this down or put it in my phone or something when it happened to me. And I didn't do that. And I woke up the next morning and I'm like, crap, I had a really good idea and I don't think it's ever been done. And luckily a couple of minutes later, I remembered and I'm like, okay, I don't think I've ever seen this before. And there's a few ways you can go about it, but the main business of it is it's a restaurant but it's a little bit different. I think it's basically you'll just have cooks and it's more so say you don't feel like cooking your dinner that night. You'll go to this restaurant, you'll bring the ingredients, you'll give it to the chef, the chef prepares it for you. Okay. So what are you paying for then? Are you paying paying for for just them to cook it? Pretty much, yeah. Because they don't obviously have to pay for the food Mm -hmm. because you're bringing it to them and it's just like, here's onions, beef, burger patties yep. lettuce let me see what you make me and then it and then it just comes out on the platter and so then it's you, like here's your food so you're not you're telling the them service. you're not telling them the exact meals you're giving them ingredients and say go you buck can do wild both. you can do both you can be like i want a hamburger i want a steak i want you to surprise me and i like they can just i like the idea of the surprising factor because it mm-hmm. is a chef and this they would have to be mm-hmm. Good enough chefs were that. Yes, it couldn't be. You know, okay, Arby's chef, whatever it is. No offense, Arby's. <laughs> this chef, isn't but, fast food. Or, or this Perkins, isn't fast yeah. food. But you give it to them because a lot of times I'm at my house and I have a collection of ingredients, and I'm like, I don't. What do I make with this? I'm like, I'm sure I can make something, but it would be nice if I could just bring it and be like, get rid of this food. <laughs> it's gonna expire. Make me something. Yeah, I like that so- idea. So we take the business a step further and it becomes a reality TV show. So you can go there and then you bring the ingredients, you give it to the chef and it's kind of like chopped where they open the basket and then they have the ingredients. Okay. So instead you come with the ingredients, you give it to them. They, you can bring this up to your, your lady friend there. And I was literally just going to say, can I steal this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So they come there with the with their ingredients. They give it to the chef, and then the chef prepares something, and then they give it to them. Camera crew goes, interviews them. How was your meal? And then they go, you know. Okay, that's a good idea. And I just thought of a different way. So going back to the, if you guys are avid listeners of the podcast, you know, a while back I talked about a lady that owns Gourmet Chef, and she does cooking classes. So a cool avenue I could do with this, like you mentioned, the chopped is there's a professional chef and this would be to sell their cooking classes. Okay. So think of that premise being that's the end all be all goal. Okay. You bring, you each get a basket. You have the professional chef that teaches these cooking classes. And then you just have a random person, someone that would be attending the classes and they both get the ingredients and food and they both have to make something. So then it shows like, Hey, here's you right now. This person is you, the one that can't make shit. And then here's the professional chef that we're giving the basket. This is how you could, I mean, not professional because it's hard to get it to be a professional, but it shows the transformation from you not being able to do anything to this is what you can learn in our cooking classes from this cooking person. You literally just watch make it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I like it. I, 
This is an interesting idea because I don't think it's ever been done before or I've never seen it or heard of it before. And I think just adding that extra layer of it becoming a reality TV show or a cooking show, I think it just, yeah. I think it's really cool. And you could also expand it in to something where you have an experience. That's something you'd have to flesh out. But let's say it's a date night type thing where you want to take someone and you guys go to the grocery store, you pick out a bunch of stuff and then you bring it there. And maybe there's some regulations about that. You know, maybe that's the one hiccup we have. Can you be bringing your own stuff in there? You know what I mean? I don't know how the food and health safety code works for that kind of thing. But maybe it's a loophole to get around all that. And I think at the same time, it also eliminates a lot of the expenses that restaurants incur. Yeah. Because I was going to say, if you take like, say you and a friend want to go or you and a date or whatever, and they could build an experience while they're cooking their food and everything, there can be an experience over here, whatever that might be. I don't know what while it is. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe they get to watch it. Maybe it's like hibachi and it's yeah live chef type of deal. Or they there's some sort of rating system like, oh, here's the food they've made for other people with these ingredients, whatever it might be. I don't know. Now we're going down yeah, a maybe, rabbit hole. <laughs> we're coming up with ideas for someone to jump on this and then do it. Yep. Hopefully we're, someone does. That would we be guys are, we're giving you guys the keys to the kingdom here. <laughs> <laughs> Got to just go out and take action. I like that. We should start ranking our own business ideas. I think that'd be up there. Top five for sure. Yeah, I, I really like this one. I, I don't think it's ever been done before. And I think I think it has a lot of potential. I, I dig it, Tyler. And I think we fleshed it out fleshed it out enough where someone can either steal it or we can uh, dive into it in the coming years. I have an uncle who's cool. a chef. Should I try it here Let's for you? It. <laughs> like, Let's hey, start it. Hey, Troy, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you a building, a small little grill. Then we're going to bring shit to you. You just got to make something. I like it. There we go. All right. Anything else you want to touch on for episode 19, Tyler? Did you even say the intro? man? Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay, no. This is... <laughs> Yep. No, I I think that's uh, incorporate storytelling. Storytelling's huge. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, hopefully you guys had a good new year. Uh, we're going to be back every week in 2023. Uh, yeah. This is going to be fantastic, guys. We're going to have all these businesses <laughs> up and running by 2024. That's Remember when our goal is to get it by 2024, make money? That's how we're just starting yeah, all these businesses. Sir. We're like, yeah, we're not making money for the podcast, but... <laughs> We've started a lot of businesses. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, that's episode 19 of The Midnight Entrepreneur. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover or answer, you can email us at themidnightentrepreneur at gmail.com. If you found value in this content or found this entertaining, share this with a friend or post it on your story. If you really enjoyed the show, we'd love a rating and a review on wherever you're listening. Talk to you guys next week for another episode of The Midnight Entrepreneur.